Hi everyone, welcome to Val's Tales. I'm Val Fortelli, writer of these stories. I'm Val's sister Wendy Walker and I'm the narrator. And Wendy's daughter Jazz is our producer. Every fortnight we'll bring you a new story. Sometimes funny, sometimes sad, always thought-provoking. Hi everyone. It's been a funny old summer, but I think we needed a break, although it's lovely to get back together again. How have you been? It's nice to get back together again. I've been okay. How have you been doing? Oh, not too bad. Um, I've forgotten everything that we were doing. It's it's easy to... To forget. (laughs) We're both getting a little bit old now, don't forget. Um, You speak yourself, (laughs) man. So, what is our first story? Uh, The first story was, oh yes, The Body Trap. And what was your inspiration for The Body Trap? Well, during the summer, a friend had a baby and she was bemoaning the fact that she couldn't get back her pre-pregnancy figure. So... I thought it'd be quite fun to write this one. This is for you, Terry. Well, I haven't got my pre-pregnancy figure back yet and my kids are all in the 30s, so... (laughs) Um, I've noticed also a couple of uh, the stories that that are coming up have got male voices in again, uh, which is interesting. Well, (laughs) you were getting so good at it last time. I thought I'd stretch you a bit. Thank you. There's quite a variety of, of voices. There's male, female, old, young... We'll see what you make of them. Well, that should be fun. So, uh, here is our first story. The Body Trap. The Body Trap. I came round slowly from the anaesthetic and gradually got my brain back to working order. You know what it's like when you're roused from a deep sleep and it takes a little while to remember where you are, what day it is... And who the hell is pounding on your door at this unearthly hour of the morning? Probably the postman, although I've normally left for work before he arrives. If it's something which needs a signature, I have to make a trip to the depot to show my ID and collect the item, which is normally junk mail, so I end up wishing I'd never bothered. This wasn't my bed or my house, and I hadn't ordered anything online recently as money had been tight. Think. Okay. My main income came from the hospitality sector, and the virus had put paid to that. Government handouts kept a roof over my head, but that wasn't what it was all about. I was a people person. I'd rather make a small profit, see smiley faces, and share the delight of satisfied customers than make a mint and have to put up with negative feedback from the soul destroyers. Facts. I was a 28-year-old, heterosexual male and minority shareholder in the small hotel where I worked as a manager. I was good mates with several friends from my school days, even if our choice of favourite football teams caused some lively discussions. My preference was for curvy, long-legged blondes, but although I'd come close to giving in on the romantic stakes once or twice, I was still a bachelor and open to offers. My job paid well. I was good at it and had progressed up the ladder until I could afford to buy my own pad in London. 
OK, it wasn't the West End, but it wasn't in the ghetto either, so it suited me. And each year the value of my property increased. When I took a tumble playing for our local football team, I was whisked off in an ambulance to the local NHS hospital, who patched me up and sent me home. At least, that was the way I remembered it. You might have scored before you did your dying swung act, Terry, one of my teammates joked. But I noticed he quickly looked away after he glanced at my mangled leg. I can picture you in a tutu, Terry, <laughs> another laughed. Are you going to change your name to Teresa now? <laughs> you look pretty in pink. Shut up, you lot, or I'll get off this stretcher and sort you out, I shouted back. You'll do no such thing, young man, the paramedic told me, half serious but half smiling. Now lie still while I give you something for the pain. It was quite late by the time I'd been seen by nurses and doctors, x-rayed, prodded, poked, had my leg encased in some sort of surgical stocking fortunately not pink, given some crutches and left to wait in reception while they tried to organise transport to get me home. The two staff remaining on duty had gone into a back room when a tall, beefy man wearing dark glasses and a heavy overcoat approached me. Terry, can you walk or shall I carry you? Uh, it's OK, thanks. I can manage, I said as I hopped towards the exit doors. Now, although I'm five foot nine and 13 stone, I'm sure he could have lifted me without too much trouble at all. He looked solid muscle and someone I wouldn't want to upset, rather than presumably my cab driver. His strong accent made me feel I was in a James Bond movie and he was the villain. But he was pleasant enough as he held the door of a large black people carrier open for me and helped me in. Uh, look, this is a bit embarrassing, I said as I gave up trying to see out of the blacked-out windows, but guess we must be getting close to my home. I was playing football, so never take much cash or any cards with me in case they get nicked. The arrangement at the club is to put things on a bill and settle up at the end of the month. What I mean is, are you a minicab or hospital transport? I haven't got much spare cash at home either. Don't worry about anything, the driver said. If you could sign this confirming I took you home, I can sort it out. With that, he passed me a piece of paper, but it was too dark to read properly. I could just about make out the top line, which I thought said, I, Terry Wrigley, confirm, then a space at the bottom where it said, signed Terry Wrigley, followed by some dots. He'd given me a pen, but as I went to sign, it struck me the name was spelt in the feminine way and not the masculine. Oh, never mind. It was only so the poor guy could claim his petrol money. That was the last thing I remembered, apart from him leaning over to take the receipt from me. Good morning, Terry, a cheerful voice called as I shut my eyes against the sudden glare of sunlight. Awake at last. What would you like for breakfast? We have muesli, yoghurt, fresh fruit or something hot if you prefer. Full English would go down well with some toast and coffee. What happened? Did I have a relapse or something? Which hospital is this? It looks too posh for NHS. Did the driver get his money? So many questions. Stop worrying. Everything went perfectly, but yes, this is a private hospital. Do you need help to the toilet or can you manage? 
It's that door in the corner. Your crutches are here and there's a clean nighty if you need it for later, although I expect you'll want to get home. I'll be fine, thanks, I said as I looked at the young nurse properly for the first time. A little on the short side, quite pretty with their mass of brown curls, but not really my type. Wait, nighty? Did she say nighty? Oh well, no time to worry about that now as my bladder was bursting, so quick hop to the loo, lift the toilet seat, look down and... nothing. Where my manhood usually stood to attention, there was only a protruding belly with nothing underneath. I stood there in shock for a few minutes, then sank down onto the seat in confusion. What? No, wait. I'd done what I wanted to do, but not in the way I intended to do it. This was just too weird for words. As I made my way back to bed, I noticed my medical folder and picked it up to try and make some sense of what was happening. The top file I recognised as the authorisation for the taxi bill, except it wasn't. It was my signature, but amidst all the jargonese, I seemed to have agreed to an experimental gender switch. Throwing myself onto the bed, I wept like a baby. Terry, you all right, mate? You sound weird. Open the front door. We're freezing our what's-its off out here. Mark's voice came through the intercom and I realised I was at home in my own bed. Stumbling to open the door, I glanced down at my striped pyjamas, opened the fly covering, and there he was, standing to attention in all his glory. It had all been a horrible dream. Three months had passed and I was back on the football pitch, my leg fully recovered. I scored the winning goal just as the whistle blew, so we won the cup. Fair few bevies were consumed that night, so it was no wonder I woke following morning feeling a bit under the weather. But that didn't explain why I was still feeling sick a week later, or the week after that. And despite eating healthily, I'd put on so much weight and felt perpetually tired. Eventually, I took myself off to the doctor's, who carried out a series of tests and booked me another appointment for six weeks' time. By then, my beer belly had become an embarrassment, even though I'd stopped drinking. Out of the blue, I received a message from the private clinic I'd attended when I injured my leg, inviting me to a consultation and ensuring me there would be no costs involved. I turned up at the appointed time, but was ashamed how, in a few short months, I'd changed from being a fit, virile young man to a fat, waddling duck. Terry, come in, come in. How are you feeling? You're looking well, even if you might feel you're trapped in a different body. Let me be the first to congratulate you. By our calculations, your baby should be due towards the end of March. You'll be famous. The first ever male to give birth. All we need is your signature on this piece of paper and your money worries are over forever. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying these stories, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podbean or our YouTube channel. You can also follow Val's Tales on social media. Details coming up.
Seriously, Voinks, this is weird. I mean, even for you, this is weird. 